Before we get started, a quick word about our no-ad subscriptions. We're not supported by anyone but you. We don't get Zuckerbucks. We put a lot of effort and money into building a global company, all the way from Ukraine to Taiwan. We bring reporters from around the world the best news you will find anywhere. So please support us with our no-ad subscriptions. Go to the top right of any of our sites, and it'll say subscribe with no ads. There you'll find, for 10 bucks a month, access to all of our sites with no pop-up ads on your phone. People love it. So please support us. We need your help. We really do. It's expensive what we're doing, and we need to grow to save the republic, and we can't grow without support. So thank you very much. Welcome, dear viewers and listeners, to, and I still should remember that uh, another episode of Eurobytes. I'd like to tell you how many episodes we've had, probably 14, but I might I might be wrong. Uh, well, I think we're uh, close to 20 now. Oh, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I really should be on top of this. But that being said, I mean, I always joke in this podcast that we are we started doing a podcast during a time when we might as well just stay online all the time, just provide a running comment because... Mm -hmm there's always something happening and we thought that ukraine would keep us busy for a while or german elections but no something else always happens and supersedes us and it's almost whether by design or coincidental coincidental like in that uh, beautiful cartoon movie where the dogs are always uh, distracted by somebody shouting squirrel and yeah. in, a, in a way it is just like that these days but hopefully we won't be distracted by it all but try to to connect it and try to see the bigger picture Mm -hmm. And today we're trying to weave two major news together um, that you would not think are closely related, but they are. So there have been German state elections in two of Germany's most important states, or probably the most, two of the three most affluent states out of our 16 states, and that would be Bavaria and Hesse. So Bavaria is home of industries such as BMW that produce cars. But by the way, if you actually look at the logo of BMW, used to be a propeller they, they produced pretty um pretty sophisticated aircraft engines during world war ii and um obviously uh biotech and, and all kind of stuff coming out of bavaria whereas hesia is sort of the center of our financial industry but produces all kinds of other stuff as well and they're both quite affluent so what happens in these states is, is very important and well then we had what was had been happening in israel Last Sunday, I think you had a brilliant caller who I think just still like completely in the fog of war yeah. um, was already providing pretty um, insightful comments and uh, would be interesting to bring him on at a, at a different time because we're still in we, the fog of we war can, phase. We can do that. We can do that. Yeah. Maybe next we're week. Brilliant. Yeah, we're still in the fog of war phase, but mm -hmm. slightly less so than, than when, when you guys talked and probably why don't us try to weave it together and jump straight into it. it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so Israel. So how did what happened in Israel and um, 
and in all the atrocities that we'd been seeing and and, and the combat how did did that echo in europe and i would say quite a bit so i'm not quite sure how much american viewers certainly in the mainstream media have been seeing this but there were nothing uh, so there were big <laughs> celebrations in berlin with um, a lot of uh, recent recently arrived migrants um, handing out candy and jubilating um, what was happening in israel and at that point there was no um, no real defense. They already knew what had been happening and still thought that uh, it was was in good taste to hand out candy and jubilate um, um, to celebrate what was happening in Israel. The same, not quite to the same degree, happened in Vienna, where also riot police had to control a bunch of migrants, um, you know, voicing opposition to the Israeli flag being up somewhere and uh, sort of in my hometown or the town next to my hometown in northern rural Germany was flying an Israel flag and there were demonstrations even in that small town of 60,000 inhabitants by migrants against the Israel flag being flown. We can have a debate. I mean, sometimes the nationalist in me says, when are we finally going to fly the German flag in our building? You know, like yeah. we've been flying the Ukrainian flag for a while and then for a while it, um, it was the French and the Belgian and what have you, but very rarely the German, but that's a separate discussion. So, so that happened both in the province and the main cities were to different degrees. Migrants were protesting what was happening in Israel or outright celebrating it. And um, at the same time, you can see German diplomacy lying in tatters and, um, and, and I would subtitle the episode, the, the episode um, we, as we could uh, could subtitle many episodes, Trump was right. And why is that uh, that why is that um, relevant in the German context? The Germans were the ones most smugly laughing at Trump when he was. Um, yes, they were. There's a word for it, right? Yeah. Uh, what is what is it? It's like a Schugenfeld or something like that. Uh, what, what is it when you you smugly, like? Oh, probably. Uh, I mean, there's one word, besserwisser, which means better knower. But probably we can we can ask Fabian and Lucas. The word doesn't quite come, but there is something okay. very very smart. And obviously, then there's the German word Schadenfreude, which That's Trump it. might. That's which, it. Yeah, That's Trump might be having quite a bit of Schadenfreude right now against right. Germany, where he's smugly is like I told you so. But what yeah. happened? So both in front of the UN and in front of um, various World Economic Forum kind of uh, and G G8 meetings, Trump was saying, "Look, you guys." are dangerously dependent on Russian oil in brackets. And he didn't say that, but probably meant it at the same time, you're antagonizing Russia. Mm -hmm. So that's, and, and, and you could see our then foreign minister, Heiko Maas, smugly, <laughs> and even in front of the United Nations, when he's like, look, Germany sh might, should not be supporting, uh, writing such big checks with such limited accountability to the Palestinian um, autonomy authority. And, and you, you could again sort of the German ambassador yeah. smugly kind of leaning back. And well, there's that picture of Trump and they surrounded our world leaders and Angela Merkel's leaning in like, don't you get it? And he's like this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's, it's you couldn't have a, a, a cartoonist who would have wanted to caricaturize it, couldn't yeah. have drawn it better. But that's how it was. And yet all these these politicians who thought they were part of the club and they were smug and they were refined people. And there was this big oaf who just mm -hmm. asked, but why? 
-hmm. And and I mean, yeah, the man was right. We I think over the last couple of years we gave the Palestinian Autonomy Authority something like 250 million with very limited accountability. And interesting enough, a peculiar feature of German politics, as we have mentioned in this podcast for a while, every single party, first of all, every single party is tax subsidized, uh, taxpayer subsidized. Mm -hmm. So meaning there's none of that big drumming up support uh, from various donors. You could view this as a good thing. But it also means parties essentially writing themselves a blank check yes. um, related to that very generous taxpayer subsidized party system is the system of the foundations of parties. Each party has a political foundation where, you know, they do policy work and dream up new policies and create sinecures for old party members. Um, and these these um, party foundations have also been generously supporting various Palestinian causes and quite often invested in offshoots of what was then the PLO and still de facto Marxist. So there's the Green Party Foundation called the Heinrich Böll Foundation. And apparently some of their money was funneled to dubious Palestinian organizations who were quite militant, quite Marxist, and nobody knows how many um, how much removed they actually are from the likes of Hamas. So, 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 so uh, there goes that. So, and, um, but at the same time, there was this naive foreign policy that we wanted to be the honest broker. We wanted to be liked by everybody. We wanted, we gave quite a bit of money to the Israelis, but right. at the same time, we wanted to be well liked by the Palestinians and sort of you and in Russia, our policy wasn't quite as subtle. We just, wanted to be on the good side, antagonize Putin, at the same time growing more dependent on him. But right now, all these chickens have come home to roost. And this current administration, it's just they can't seem to get anything right. So obviously, right now, we have the situation where about 100,000 Americans and Europeans in this area try to be, well, or, you know, like folks with double nationality try to get out. And, you know, little Austria um, took one of his, I don't know, three or four Hercules transport aircraft and flew its citizens out. Romania did the same, probably also yeah. with, with a Hercules. But now Germany <laughs> kind of waited for a couple of days. Wasn't quite, they, they didn't want to escalate by sending a military aircraft. And in the meantime, Iceland had organized the transport out of Jordan. Well, there, there was a big press release in the U.S. Send in the Luftwaffe, the Germany. <laughs> I mean, it was like Germany's acting like this massive evacuation plan. But, you know, I don't know if that was real or not. No, no, it was not real. It was all <laughs> smoke and mirrors. And only today have they kind of compelled our partially state on airline Lufthansa to, mm -hmm. to fly in. But no, the Luftwaffe was nowhere to be seen. I mean, it's kind of almost telling like that we had this big aerial evacuation from Afghanistan when it came to other country citizens. But no, the Luftwaffe nowhere to be seen, which I don't think is the Luftwaffe's fault. It's the, the politics behind it. Well, um, there's, there's, so, a, there's, a, there's a meme there because, I mean, you just had a massive slaughter of Jews in Israel, you know, with Germany's history, not evacuating Jews out of Israel or German citizens is quite, you know, it's, it's out there. I mean, it's in your face, right? <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, again, it's one of these things where, I mean, th there was recently 
an interesting article, I think it's called in a magazine, Palladium magazine, something like this, or that wrote about the coming competence crisis. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as we are seeing, we're, we're, frankly, also with the American administration, but much yeah, more so I'm with not, the German I'm not gloating. I'm not gloating, believe me. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's if it, 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 well, it is funny to a degree, but it would be yeah. funnier if it weren't true. Um, but I mean, sort of our administration, obviously, we all always love to riff on our foreign minister, Mrs. Baerbock, who is a, mm -hmm. is the classical midwit. So who was probably always ever so slightly smarter than the rest of the average of her class, but ever so slightly above average doesn't make you like, like a genius. And certainly she's well below average um, educated. So, I mean, the things that this woman gets wrong, I mean, we always joke in this podcast. So, I mean, for instance, where, where she thought her grandfather was fighting in Eastern Germany, in summer 1945 and June 1945 or July and and the war was already long over by then yeah. when she said well Putin they would only negotiate with Putin if he turned 360 degrees which you know means him spinning around his own axis and um, <laughs> where she kind of blurted out well we are at war with Russia and which as a foreign minister is sort of like just stupid because you're the one who should cool the temperature where you're like yes we're in a proxy war she's the one that said the eu is going to go to donbass right uh, isn't she the one yes from, something oh absolutely or, Orion or something like that <laughs> yes and then 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 you have this woman sitting with a bunch of ukrainians where she tries to virtue sing how much of a great person she is and she's like well i mean ultimately it does not matter what the german voters think because i've given ukraine my word and you're like well i mean sometimes you're you're not sure where honesty ends <laughs> Yeah, where honesty ends and stupidity begins. But in her case, it comes from a, a position of stupidity. And then sort of whenever something like this happens, the appreciation for symbolism is the appreciation for the poignance of a moment is just not there. There's just not the processing power in that woman's brain, nor in the rest of our administration. And um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Is it, it like... Further. Yeah. Is it like what we have with Kamala Harris and, and old Joe, where they're just kind of put there and people are controlling them from the behind? Or is it just this woman has power and she's incompetent? Or, I mean, what do you think? Yes. So, um, I mean, could you swap so Kamala Harris and have almost, the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would almost love to be in the American position, and all of us know that that both your president, who I don't know how many of his brain cells are still positively operating, yeah. um, and then Kamala Harris, who I don't know, either that woman quite often sounds drunk, or she is drunk, or there's something else, like they're significantly wrong. Like She as well has this ability, disability of not being able to string together a sentence. Um, but we know that somebody is behind them. It's probably like Barack. people from the Obama yeah. administration who I would probably disagree with, but I would make the argument they're at least remotely competent, competent yeah. for the wrong thing, but they're competent yeah. people. I, I, would, I would make that much of an argument. I don't really see that in Germany. I think our party system, it, it's really interesting. And I wanted to write an article about that for a long time. See, every country has a has different system of elite recruitment and for, 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 for good and for worse. So in the United States, you roughly leave up your elite recruitment to a handful of elite universities. So, you know, Harvard, Stanford, Yale and the likes. And 
And, and in France, actually, there is a very centralized, very prestigious state, um, the various state academies that, mm -hmm. that, you know, whether you like them or not, they bring forward quite smart, quite competent people, whether they're competent for the right course or the wrong course is a different issue. The UK operates on a similar way where elite recruitment probably starts in a bunch of very socially exclusive boarding schools. Mm -hmm. I mean, an, an inordinate amount of UK prime ministers have either gone to Eton or to Winchester, these two boarding mm -hmm. schools, and pretty much all of them have gone to either Oxford or Cambridge. But at least mm -hmm. there is a mechanism that ensures that no dummies make it through, whether mm -hmm. you agree with them or not, or whether they're brilliant but, but lazy like Boris Johnson. It's mm -hmm. a different question, whereas in Germany, we don't have that filter mechanism. So the filter starts starts really, really early. It starts when you're like 13 or 14, you enter the youth wing of a political party. So that would be the, like the Young Democrats or the Young Republicans in the United States. And every party has such a system. Hi, Fabian. I'm just briefing our viewers on the different systems of elite recruitment in the world and Europe and the lack thereof. And just to continue, and Fabian can chime in as well, the way it works in Germany, we neither have elite universities that are the filter, we neither have elite boarding schools, nor do we have elite state academies, like, like the various French academies, the ENA or Ecole Supérieure, or whatever they're called. In Germany, you enter the, the, uh, these um, political parties, so the youth wing very early, 14 maybe, and then you make it through the ranks. And typically, you get there at a certain, um, by the time you're like in your 20s, you've already advanced quite far. And then very, very quickly, very young people get put into positions of power. Like so it's kind of like a union. I mean, you're getting a it, union it, boss. It you're, is. It, it, yeah. And then the interesting thing is, um, because the way our system works, so quite often the United States and the UK get criticized for having a winner-takes-all system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if you're unlucky to live in a county where the, that, that's majority Democrat, you might as well, well throw your vote away when you're a Republican. Whereas in Germany, we've got two votes. One elects a person in your county. The other one goes to proportionate representation. But quite often, you have like young people advancing very, very quickly, like Mrs. Baerbock, because they've got the right opinion. And they get these proportional representations because on their own, they would never be able to win an entire electoral district. And mm -hmm. so little by little, you've got people like them in a position of power and they form interesting, uh, very deep rooted networks because they've known each other for so long, but it's not a competence filter. It's, well, it's sort of like in a political party, you you, you, you should be you should be quite good at intrigues and um, you, you should be quite good at in, intrigues and uh, you should be able to sit um, quite well for a long time and so these people and uh, not by their brilliance make it through that and then later to get the final final polish they get sent to remotely prestigious finishing schools like the london school of economics where mrs Berbock went now mrs Berbock has never finished an education in terms of an apprenticeship no university degree no nothing which is not uncommon in german politics because they're too busy for that they're so busy with politics so she then got a postgraduate degree from the London School of Economics. And that's what's where you end up with, with people like her who then pretty much get everything wrong um, every step along the way. 
So with Fabian and, and Lucas being in, so we've just roughly gone through what has been happening in German and Austrian cities vis-a-vis -vis celebrations, um, what ha has been happening in Israel. Todd was curious how Mrs. people like Mrs. Baerbock land into positions of power, <laughs> like without yeah. the filter. That's, of, a, that's uh, a very reasonable question to ask Todd. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I listened to an interview in, um, and, I, and I sent this to you guys, uh, Weltwoche, Weltwoche with uh, Roger Köppel, interviewing uh, uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor, who is very well informed of German politics. I mean, the guy spent um, a couple of years living in Germany. He's a Clausewitz expert. He was going to be Germany's ambassador, uh, I'm sorry, um, the U.S. ambassador to Germany. Um, unfortunately <laughs> for him, the U.S. Senate, uh, and I guarantee you plenty of Republicans too, said no, this guy's way too undiplomatic. But he <laughs> bluntly said, look, uh, this this Baerbock woman, uh, she's a joke, okay? She's an absolute <laughs> joke. <laughs> so um, now, uh, gentlemen, this has been quite uh, the eventful week. Um, and, it, I, you know, I got to tell you, um, and first of all, hi, Todd. Hi, Christian. Hi, Lucas. It's good to see you all. I apologize for being late. Um, Same year, my computer didn't seen, run until like a minute ago. I have not seen what I've witnessed this week. Um, I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Um, I was um, in Hamburg yesterday. Todd, I sent you a little clip. Um, yes, I saw it. Yeah, a friend of mine. He organized. I mean, he's he's a journalist um, for the Tagesschau, which is basically the. Uh, what what can we compare it to? PBS nightly news. I don't know. I mean, the the, the state run television show um, on news. And he is one of the few conservatives that I know. And he's been organizing a uh, a vigil for for Israel since probably 2015. So yesterday he he did one, and I I said I'll come, but uh, listen, how is the uh, police protection going to be? And um, he said I don't know, I have no idea. Well, I arrived, and you had six buses of um, heavily armed police there, and. You know, you, you you people were standing there with Israeli flags. By the way, there were there were a lot of Persians there too, and they were they are um, uh, regime critical Persians who are uh, most of them belong to the um, to the faction that supports um, the Shah's son Mohammad Reza, who by the way lives in America. Who by the way was at the uh, at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem this year, saying that Persia and Israel have a biblical bond going back to um, King Cyrus. Anyways, um, so Persians, Jews, Germans were standing there, and you had a bunch of people of Muslim background that walked through the square shouting "Free Palestine." And the police immediately, just immediately took him out. Hmm. Um, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen the German police so decisive. And my theory has always been that a reconciliation between Germany and Israel will allow Germany to show more authority. So it's, it's, it's incredibly interesting what's happening. Henry Kissinger, you know, I, Christian, I don't know if you already mentioned this, but he said... Germany let in too many Islamist, pro-Palestinian, anti-Semitic people. And all of a sudden, in the press, 
in political parties, people have been stating the obvious. If you oh, right. that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Could I add one could I add one little thing on this point. Um today I had my weekly phone call with my grandma and even she said that Kissinger was on the news and Merkel led in too many refugees. So it's like uh, when even people in their mid 70s um late 70s say that now these are the people who typically do vote for Christian Democrats and the Greens. Exactly, but so the, but what we're witnessing is that the mainstream, the mainstream is stating the obvious. If you let in anti-Semites, I mean, the Bild Zeitung wrote these people are breathing the spirit of Adolf Hitler, and they are publicly stating things in the streets of Germany that most people never thought possible. And now all of a sudden, the 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 message has been throw them out, deport them. Wow. Get these anti-Semites out of Germany. Get these people that hate the way we live out of Germany. Or at least stop bringing them in. <laughs> stop yeah. bringing them in. But, well, yeah, exactly. But Todd, that's the funny thing is on the one hand, people, it, they're, they're going the step further. They're saying yeah. throw them out. They're saying if they're even caught with one message that is, is hateful or anti-Semitic, throw mm -hmm. them out. I mean, mm -hmm. I have a week ago, this was not possible. So and, and the police that I witnessed yesterday was working with immense authority. And at the end of the day, nobody dared to say anything. People, the people that you usually and I've been to this, these vigils many times, they get attacked, they get spat upon people, you know, say horrible things, nothing happens. Yesterday, mm -hmm. At the end, no one dared to say anything that because the, the state was actually finally in an authoritative position to do something. I mean, this is unbelievable. I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Unbelievable. Well, I think this whole thing is going to backfire big on the Palestinian cause or whatever you want to call it. Like here in... Uh, in the U.S., like uh, I was in a town in Connecticut recently, and they have a Black Lives Matter in the town hall and uh, sign, and the town is half Jewish. And I wrote a column like, this is self-hate. And, you know, because you have all these signs in the yards, hate has no home here with flags and rainbows, Ukrainian flags and all this <laughs> stuff. And so so I said, hate yeah. has a home in Westport. That was the title of the article. And then I put the, the, the plaque, Black Lives Matter in the town hall. And below it, I put the image from Black Lives Matter with the parachute. You know, I, I stand with Palestine, you know, mocking yeah. the, the murder of all those innocent people. So it, anyway, I'll... That's my point. But see, um, let me let me add just one thing uh, to get it back to the uh, German viewpoint or what's happening here in Europe. Um, the the demonstrations and in times riots have been crazy. Like the the ones in favor of Palestine. Like when you when you look at the pictures from London, from Paris, etc. Um, people don't really care, and like um, the the laws not being enforced. Like there's laws against hate speech. There's laws against like glorifying 
the Holocaust or something in Germany. Um, I was I was positively surprised at what Fabian said um, that the police were actually um, quite ready to act. However, um, in my point, it's just like a broken clock that's twice right today. Because um, take Berlin for example, where you see um, in these um, major Muslim neighborhoods like Neukölln, you know, there's Sonnenallee, which is like an avenue that's leading through. People were celebrating last Saturday when this all happened by handing out chocolates, by handing out candy to the people, like by screaming on the street, like cheering basically for Hamas on the street. Um, now, I've also seen earlier this morning um, videos from like demonstrations in Berlin where the police, they're actually not acting like properly. Like, you know, at this point, police forces need to act like military brigades, like pushing the people back, like during a soccer game gone wild or something. You can tell they can't, they don't have the people under control there. So what Fabian says, um, I think is a good example for first, Hamburg's not a failed city, unlike Berlin. And number two, the number of people um, gathering at these events is not big enough yet. However, if you had like 5,000 people gathering in Hamburg City Hall Plaza, um, you can be sure that police um, are going to be way more like, okay, yeah, um, we're trying to not to incite any more anger with these people and stuff. Like one example, during COVID, all demonstrations were banned in the city of Hamburg, um, like um, for public health reasons. Uh, we covered this on a German podcast once. Um, However, when there was like a Black Lives Matter uh, demonstration, that also took a bad turn at times. Like, you know, people um, people just destroy and demolish stuff and police were just there. Yeah, it's not allowed, but um, we're, not, we're not actively dissolving the demonstration. And like um, here in Hamburg, uh, the, the really bad neighborhoods are like, or some of the bad neighborhoods are like right east of the central station and police went there on friday evening and they they had these like to all the american viewers and listeners german police do have um riot vehicles and stuff but typically police um come in these like um volkswagen buzzes like the like the folks on california <laughs> they look like campers there's like uh, five police men women coming out of there so they had one of these things where it had like an LED screen on each side. It was like, your demonstration was dissolved. And like, yeah, now what? Now, if, if, if they were actually, if they're actually trying to push people away, you can be sure that um, the scenes are gonna be really bad ones. And you can also be sure that even though Hamburg is a law and order city by, yeah, majorly, you can be sure that um, the police would have had a really bad day. But and, and, and I do want to add something that Lucas mentioned with this so-called bad street Steindam. I mean, this is the street where a mosque is was located, just to let the viewers know, where the 9-11 terrorists went to the mosque. Remember, these were students in Hamburg at the Technical University. So um, this is how bad it was. But at the same time, yes, it is a law, it is much more of a law and order city. Um, and I want to give credit to the police. I the, the, the work that I seen them do yesterday was excellent however i think the, the key point the key takeaway for us is the narrative in the media let me just read to you something i translated this um from one of the editors of bild zeitung and i translated it in english so i'll, I'll just read this to you quickly this is from lena nickel she works for bild zeitung uh, the by the way uh, germany's biggest newspaper 
Okay, she wrote, what kind of Europe, what kind of Germany do we want to live in in the future? I don't want to live side by side with people who applaud the work of beasts. I don't want to live side by side with mothers who celebrate the beheading of Israeli babies. I don't want to live side by side with women who celebrate Jewish girls being raped on the bodies of their friends and then being shot down like cattle. Let's finally call it what it is. It is, it is the spiritual heirs of Adolf Hitler who are taking to the streets around the world these days and cheering the barbaric acts of terror of the Islamist Hamas. They belong, they, uh, they bellow and wave Palestinian flags, proudly hang their pally bibs around their shoulders and applaud the slaughter, burning alive, torture, rape, kidnapping and humiliation of Jews. Also with us, I don't think it's possible that such um, um, images should be possible after 1945. I am ashamed, shocked and desperate. Germany's answer to this must now be ban all protests for Hamas friends immediately everywhere. Get every single one of them charged with sedition. Finally acknowledge that we have a million fond Islamist problem in our country. All German mosques and all clubs that glorify or even relativize terror should be closed. Their ringleaders monitored, arrested, deported. We need the full broadside of the rule of law here. The full force of intelligence service, police and judiciary, sustainable and decisive. No German citizenship for Jew haters. Germany should um, explore all options, and I mean all, to get rid of Jew haters, and I don't even let in future ones, period. And all, and another note to everyone who is currently not saying anything, any, anyone who doesn't scream loudly now should remain silent forever. Where are all those who always fall into moral ecstasy about everything and everyone? Where are all the peaceful Muslims, the women's rights activists, the professors, the TV uh, people who say, not with us? Anyone who doesn't protest now will lose their credibility as a moral authority forever and ever. In the future, I can... Uh, I can do without pointing fingers on TV talks, shows, on social media and podiums. They're useless. In my opinion, in my Germany 2023, there's not an inch of space for Israeli haters, not an inch of space for people haters, not an inch of space for godless barbarians. And in yours? Listen, I thought that was very blunt. And to read something like that in a uh, German newspaper. That's pretty powerful. In my opinion, it's very powerful. And that that shows to me that a narrative has been broken because the narrative has always been uh, on the side of the do-gooders, the, the people that want to balance, the people that want to send money to the Palestinians, the people that want to always enforce the humane issue, but are completely naive to the facts. And I think this is a wake-up call for all. I mean, look, this is a failed... This, what happened in, in with Hamas is the answer of a failed Biden Middle East policy. It is the that that's what Israel look. This is the reason if Israel is a house divided against itself cannot stand and the West's naive immigration policies, everything is falling on our head. And it's amazing how it's all happening with one within yeah. one week. See, there's one there's one thing I'd like to add, um, Fabian, you're completely right in what you say. And I think the German, the majority of the German population really has reached the point where they're like, um, the people who are hating the Jews are the foreigners, are the ones who come in who are not integrating. Because um, we should not forget that Germany after 1949, um, it has become part of the uh, raison d'etre of Germany to protect Israel or to stand with Israel. Like, um, regardless whether people like that or not, it's part of what Germany um, 
it, like it's, it's one of the bricks that makes up Germany. And interestingly, um, even right-wing parties that were that are typically being um, pushed into this um, somewhat anti-Semitic corner by the people who don't like them on the political left um, in both Germany and Austria, um, it doesn't work anymore. Like um, Herbert Kickel, the chairman of the uh, Freedom Party in Austria, that did have um, some issues with like people too far on the right um, when it comes to like um, the question of how to treat um, the dark chapter of national socialism. Even this party that was always um, assumed to be the right-wing party um, declared full solidarity with Israel and stuff. So I think this is really interesting. Here comes the additional point now. Um, on Monday or Tuesday um, in Hamburg, there's like the state broadcast um, went down. They went down and interviewed people on Steindam on this. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a ghetto. Ba basically, it is a ghetto for um, Palestinians and I don't know Iraqis, Turks, whatever. Like it's it's majorly Muslim. I think um, women tend not to go there unaccompanied. Um, of all these kind of things like there's a lot of crime happening interestingly um this religion bans people from drinking alcohol however um you can buy alcohol tobacco drugs all that stuff like if you were to ask a police officer and they're going to tell you this is a crime hotspot now they're interviewing people on the street and ask them what's your stance on this what do you think of this and there's there's one woman um who who was ready to have her um, her likeness filmed. Like, keep in mind that in Europe, you can always be like, I don't want my face to be visible. Please blur me or please don't. Like, you can always decide not to talk to them. Now, this woman um, shopping groceries um, goes up to the uh, interviewer, to the camera, and is like, yeah, we cheered um, for what's happened on Saturday, and we cheer for Palestine. We cheer um, for these... Well, she never calls them terrorists. Um, you know, she she just goes like, yeah, at home we celebrated, we had cake and stuff. And you see a lot of more people who are like, yeah, um, they're in support of Palestine. And yeah, and nothing was a Muslim woman too, right? She had exactly. a yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. And here comes the crazy thing, in my opinion. Um, no normal citizen in any Western country would dare do such a thing because um, if my coworkers were to see me on the evening news, you can be sure that HR is rightfully informed that this guy is just batshit crazy. Hopefully they um, don't watch this podcast. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> gladly, uh, we, gladly we are on the good side of history here. You know, okay, um, cool. this, this is what the Palestinians don't get. They're on the wrong side of history. I also, I also enjoy um, their argumentation of how their country is being taken away from them. Keep, like, keep in mind um, that they haven't been there first. Like, who brought civilization there? Like, you can say those were the, the ancient Jewish. You can say those were the Romans. But for sure, it was not the Arabs. Mm -hmm. Um so the interesting thing is just that uh, in German we use this term Parallelgesellschaft, um, like parallel society, like this society has um, no connection to our majority anymore. And this became really blatantly visible for even for those who always denied this when they realized that there's actually people who whose social circle is so crazy that they don't need to fear any um, repercussions from saying such disgusting, vile crap. And I think this, this is actually helpful in the long run for German democracy. Hmm.
Can I be less optimistic? So yeah, of course. I'm, please, I'm, please. I'm gonna, so two two things. So I mean, first of all, and I'm I'm gonna be that guy. I mean, I'm uh, I'm free speech absolutist. So I'm I'm not cool with folks being arrested for stating an opinion, however distasteful and wrong it is, unless they're calling for actual violence. Then then yes. So so that's that's there. And then I mean, in all fairness, we always need to be paying attention. All the laws that were there to protect us around 9-11 and all the mass surveillance came back to bite us. So, so this is this is again, I mean, the, this current uh, situation is sucking out a lot of oxygen and of attention that should be on the Digital Services Act, which and all the anti-free speech laws that are coming out all over Europe. And, and now they've got an argument, haha, now it's against Hamas. So it will be used against Hamas. So today is Hamas going to be beaten tomorrow with the next lockdown. It's it's going to be us. So 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 there, there's that. The one thing that infuriates me, um, but what I said at the beginning of the show. So you know, yeah, am I against uh, um, migrants demanding to have an Israeli flag taken down from a small German provincial town hall? Yes, but I'm like, hey, wouldn't be wouldn't be would it kill you to hoist the German flag every now and then? And related to that. I would say it's interesting enough. I was always wondering when the breaking point um, was going to come in terms of the whole debate about who we let in. And it didn't come once the mass rapes ha happened under, just like months after them being let in uh, under the dome of Cologne. That was kind of, uh, yeah, boom. It was just not, not quite debate and they tried to sweep it under the rug. It didn't happen when we had to the domestic terrorism that very soon was declared, oh, that was a mental health in, in, uh, incident. It, 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 you know, it, it when when it came to actual German lives being impacted by it, be it through terrorism, be it through rape, be it through waiting hours uh, at the doctor's office, that was never enough. But now that's happened to Israel, suddenly, um, suddenly you're allowed to criticize that. Even though some 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 bleeding out liberals have been making that argument for a long time, they're like, hey, do you think they're going to be like big on the whole um, rainbow stuff and everybody? But now. That, that it's been been shown. And I mean, it, it's been known for a while all over Europe. I mean, it happened in France that anti-Semitic violence was was up. That was always a newspaper headline, but nobody dared saying who it was, even though that was in in in, in plain sight. So so that's the those are the two things where I'm like slightly less um, optimistic. Um and I mean I guess yes, even if it's for the wrong reason, the um the or not the wrong reasons for the right reason but it 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 should have been this kind of attention to to the certain cultures that we let in should have been there all along so but maybe i'm 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 too black pilled what what would be your stance on that i i, I do agree with you in in major part christian however um i think the tide has changed um for the past 20 years, let's say for the past 15 years, um, since I've been interested in politics, um, typically we were the we were the ones um, standing outside the stage and uh, we, we were like booing. We're the audience, we're that part of the audience that was booing. Um, um, you know, and people are like, oh, you, you don't understand the play. You don't understand what's being, what's being broadcast and showed here. And now, and now I have the impression that, um, if Germany was a huge theater, um, 
people are starting to scratch their head now in this a little break between the two acts. And they're like, wait, what's actually happening? Like, more and more people do wake up. And it's like, um, like many of the people who should wake up, the people who are in positions of responsibility, who are actually in positions of where they could make a difference, they don't wake up. Don't you think, like, never expect Annalena Baerbock to disembark from an airplane and be like, oh, wow, this country is such a shithole because these people have been have been receiving millions and billions of euros or dollars, whatever you say, um, for the past decades. And somehow this all still looks like um, devastated. Like, she she's not going to make this... Um, She's not going to make that um, connection in her head that um, Palestine looks the way it does due to uh, its leadership and due to the people who support this leadership. Um, but you can tell that um, the Green Party in Germany um, is actually crumbling. Like um, Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung um, had a really good report on this um, in its Sunday edition today. They're like, yeah, uh, 10 years ago, the Green, uh, the Green Party would have been happy with what they have now. It's like 12% of the polls. By now, they're disappointed because they failed to actually um, grow into, um, into width among the German society. They're still an elitist party, and gladly the people they cater to uh, start to realize that this country won't be the same um, if they keep on supporting this party. Even Robert Hopp, like the Green Party was always um, this pool of weirdos and Keep, like for all those interested, um, look up the history of the German Green Party in the '80s. Um, look at the kind of people who they supported. I don't want to. I don't even want to talk about uh, who these people are and what they supported. But it's just, it's disgusting. And well, there goes that. Uh, what I do want to say is, um, there was a bunch of weirdos who tried to who tried to make decisions on a round table like the Scandinavian thing. They don't want a leader list a Führer or anyone like that. But um, at this point, they um, like shit has hit the fan so badly, and pardon my French, for this party that they now realize that they need to stand um, in the second line behind Robert Habeck. And even Annalena Baerbock um, said that the vice chancellor leads the Green Party in the coalition government. And you can tell this is really hard for her because she's one of the so-called fundamentalists. He's one of the realists. Like, he, he's, like his economic policies are still crazy. He thinks that um, no one can go bankrupt. He thinks that companies just stop doing what they do and wait for a better time to pick up again and stuff. Um, but the Green Party realizes that um, their whole principle is not made for this reality we're facing right now. And voters do realize that as well. And I don't like, due to the fact that I've been late to this um, talk today, I don't know whether you've discussed this already, Christian Todd, but um, the, the results in the state elections in Hesse and Bavaria do good, show. Good segue. Yeah. Good segue. Lead us over, please. Okay, so, so I'm just going to talk about this really briefly. Um, in both Bavaria and Hesse, we had um, state elections, Landtag in German, um, on last Saturday. And it turned out that um, in Hesse, CDU actually 
gained like another 5%. I think they, they went from 29 to 34 something. In Bavaria, the Christian Social Party, CSU from Markus Söder, they, like, they kind of like stayed at 37 or 38%. But what you could see is that AFD skyrocketed. Um, in Hesse, AFD is now the second strongest party. Keep in mind our podcast from two weeks ago, where we said that German Federal Minister of the Interior, Nancy Faeser, was actually the front runner for the um, left-wing Social Democrats. And people thanked her with, I think, 11 or 12% of the vote. And the same happened in Bavaria. Now, in Bavaria, you still have the Freie Wähler Party. Um, for those who are interested, uh, go listen to our old podcast where we explain what the Freie Wähler, the free voters, actually, independent voters actually want and who, who Bet Aiwanger is. But in Bavaria and in Hesse, you can see that two-thirds of the people want a government want a government and want representation that is center-right or right-wing. Now, we shouldn't forget that um, CDU, yeah, just another broken clock. They're right sometimes, but typically they have become, they've become just the same, uh, they've just become the other side of the same medallion, basically. So I wouldn't, like, people who want change won't vote for CDU, uh, but people who want this to not worsen anymore do still vote for CDU. So you can tell that the German population has shifted by like, I think, 10 to 15 percent moved from the left to the right um, over this election cycle. And AFD is now a strong party in the West. Now, keep in mind that until last Sunday, um, AFD was treated as an Eastern German phenomenon, which was allegedly just voted for by poor hillbilly Easterners who... Um, couldn't couldn't live in the Eastern German dictatorship anymore, so they wanted to live in the Third Reich again. This is what German media um, insinuated. Now it turns out that AFD is if you um, if you take the specialties of the German um, voting system and the fact that CDU and CSU are always pulled together in federal elections and they reach 28% together, out of which roughly 5% is from the CSU alone. You can tell that AFD is now the largest or the party with the largest support in Germany. CDUC is only stronger. That black bar in the polls is only stronger because those are actually two parties being polled. And those are not the same. The CSU is a way more sane version of CDU. Keep that in mind. Um, CDU in northern Germany, where Daniel Günther is um, governor, um, they don't care about farmers. They uh, they want to build a huge nature park where no one's in favor of. Um, this newspaper reports uh, where they go to uh, northeast Germany to the island of Fehmarn. They're like, yeah, we didn't find anyone who's in favor of what the governor wants to do, not even his own party. This is something that the Christian Social Party in Bavaria would never do because... Makasuda always knows to turn his head the way the wind comes from. And and we have seen in this in these past two state elections, I mean, the 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 traffic light coalition, again, the red SPD, the yellow FDP, the Green Party, was voted out of office, quote unquote. I mean, they were destroyed. They were completely mauled in the in this election. And 
it, it's Lucas has basically clearly outlined that the Green Party has become incredibly unpopular. I mean, the, in Bavaria, in the, in the election um, season, people were really attacking them. Now, um, what, what, what is the response of the government? Nothing. I mean, they continue to talk the same nonsense. And the fact that the Hamas attack happened on Saturday. The election was on Sunday. This basically saved that government's behind because the narrative now is not on focusing on the local elections and what has to be done. But um, the uh, Secretary of Interior, Nancy Faser, who got destroyed in Hesse, uh, I mean, what she came in fourth place, right? And this is embarrassing for a party that used to run so, that yeah. state. Um, she, uh, her, I mean, her office was saved uh, on, on Sunday because the whole narrative shifted away from her. But um, yeah, it is an earthquake. And it's, it's amazing just to, to, to see what's happening, um, that uh, foreign policy is currently dictating domestic policy. And the Germans are incredibly unsatisfied with their government incredibly unsatisfied they're showing it at the polls they're showing it in elections the government does not want to mm -hmm. learn um and it remains to see how long they will stay in power however this situation in israel has of course changed everything christian back to you probably yeah and then, then we can sort of wrap it up i mean my favorite phrase is that of the uh, performative cinematic universe where essentially um Quite a lot of news is some, sometimes used in a performative way, whether deliberate or not. And I think a couple of things can be right at the, uh, the same time. So, yes, what happened in Israel is absolutely um, terrible and deserves world attention. But at the same time, it was a much needed respite, which is why much of mainstream media is switching over to that as the lesser evil, as it were. And it, it saved the coalition from a lot of attention on the absolute disaster that uh, their election was. It saved the coalition from the absolute disaster that Ukraine was. It saved scrutiny on the absolutely uh, mind-boggling censorship that has been out, uh, rolled out, if anybody wants to look at the Digital Service Act in Europe, which essentially makes the likes of of Twitter, of Salesforce. We should do a uh, whole Salesforce. show on. We should do a whole show on that. We should show, uh, do a full show on. It yeah. makes them not only uh, uh, civilly liable, but personally, criminally liable. So all that oxygen of that has been sucked away. And I'm not saying that there's a big conspiracy, but um, ultimately the decision of what is being, uh, what the focus is on is, is a uh, crucial decision. And we should remain vigilant and again, so at the moment, it might be somewhat gratifying having people with distasteful views finally being beaten by the German police. But I disagree that uh, they they are uh, crushed by, by expressing those views. And I remain to be persuaded that um, what we are seeing right now, it on the one hand, it is a paradigm shift, but I yet need to need to see that that it's going to be permanent and going to permanently shape German politics but we'll see i mean christian uh, just a brief yeah. interlude you can you can already set your clocks to when um the uh, israeli forces will enter gaza and you know the mainstream media here 
and in the United States and all do-gooders are all of a sudden come out of their corners and all of the narratives are going to be reinstored, uh, re restored. I, I mean, and look. We will be asked to take in a lot of Palestinians. I'm, I, I almost can guarantee you that. We're trying so, to prevent that here. Yes. So, but with that, I'll throw yeah, Ilhan Omar. Will Ilhan Omar is probably going to do her part, right? Huh? <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's what I was say, yeah, like Rashida Tlaib and all these people. With that, I'll throw it up to, to the rest of you for your final thoughts of uh, voice mind. So back back to all of you. All right, I'll 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 end my part with Zechari Zechariah twelve three. We're gonna go King James tonight. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces through all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. A dire warning from the good old King James Bible. Very interesting. I, I would say um, that I hope that uh, this is a turn in the narrative, uh, but we shall see. I'll leave it at that. I am very fearful of a massive global war coming out of this. And this is, I, I was confident that I could have a, a piece or, or a part in stopping the Ukraine war. And I think we, we were maybe successful there because I think the funding is going to get cut off in the U.S. and they'll find a way out. But I am worried about a, the attention has switched to the World War III in the Middle East. And, every, you know, we're moving forces there now, which is, you know, we'll see. Well, for me, uh, just two things. Um, first thing is, I think the people of Israel and their supporters show great resilience. And I think it's just... You know, there's this song, I think I'm mispronouncing it, Am Yisrael Chai or something, which like the people of Israel live. Um, and I think what we've seen for the last, over the past uh, seven days is the fact that there, there are terrorists raping, mm -hmm. killing, abducting people. And there's like, um, period. There, there's like, you cannot justify that under any means or something. Um, full stop. And I think it's impressive that um, so many people do actually speak up um, and, and as Fabian said, say the only right thing, which is like, um, that's disgusting, period. Now, at the same time, I can tell you that, just like Fabian mentioned before, the moment that, um, actually, that there are boots on the ground, that they do march into um, this Gaza territory, you can be sure that's going to be like, oh yeah, now Israel's overstepping. Like, um, like the foreign minister of Egypt said, or like the communist Chinese foreign minister said, now China, uh, now Israel's overstepping. So I'm like, yeah, the it's like you cannot negotiate with terrorists. And for all German listeners and for all Americans interested in how Germans used to handle this, go look up Helmut Schmidt. Um, in Deutscher Herbst, German Autumn 1978, when the Red Army faction went completely crazy, abducted people, bombed people and stuff. Um, Helmut Schmidt, back then Chancellor, um, pointed out that there's not gonna be any negotiation with these people. And nowadays Germans are like, oh yeah, hmm, maybe we need to understand um, the viewpoint of these people who are being oppressed and whatnot. Like, come on, like no oppression can be so bad. No alleged oppression can be so bad that you support people who actually do the unspeakable. And 
people should just be ashamed um, when they go out in the street and cheer for uh, Palestinians and stuff. And all those who hold up this flag do know what it stands for. And it, it does stand for people being abducted, for people being killed, and stands for um, no peace nowhere. Like these people come here and they bring their sectarian issues with them. They beat each other up on the street. They beat up Germans. Uh, the demonstration that Fabian was talking about, this little solidarity uh, demonstration where even people from Persia took part in, guess what? People, um, people left the demonstration and were, and like a couple of people were beaten up um, just half a mile down the street near Central Station by who police assume are Muslim teenagers. Now, all this stuff is just crazy, and uh, Germans at this point should remember that they're not the morally superior uh, party here, and Annalena Baerbock should keep this in mind when she's trying to um, to talk to the people there, when she's trying to, how do you say, um, when she's trying to broker peace or something. Her job is to get German um, hostages out of there, um, but keeping in mind that what should not happen is what happened back like 20 years ago or 15 years ago when Israel released um, over a thousand um, terrorists uh, in exchange for some people. This actually shows you how much, the, how much Israel actually cares about its own people. And now Germany should care about its own people and its Jewish population, its Christian population, and Germany should get a grasp on reality and check out who are the people coming here and who do need to be shipped back to Palestine quickly. Let me do a quick um, plug for my new book. This is the Mujahideen Kalk in Paris uh, protesting in support of Israel. This is the Iranian resistance that has trying to bring free markets and free elections to Persia. Uh, 130,000 of them have been executed. Their story is not known. You can get the book, Paying the Price, a story of the Iranian resistance, which is untold. Anywhere books are sold, just released. Thank you very much. Anything else, my friends? Thank you. Thank you. We'll okay. for today. See you next week. Bye. All right, bye. See ya. Yeah. Never, never.